Welcome, everybody. My name is Will Kauf, and I'll be your host, and this is the Silver Emulsion Podcast. I'd like to dedicate this episode to the memory of Miss Sharon Jones. Rest in peace, my dear. There's a child crying all by himself. His parents left him by the time he was 12. He feels all alone. Welcome, everybody, to episode number nine of the Silver Emulsion Podcast. And, uh, are you ready? I'm not. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. I'm probably ready. Um, so this week, I'm going to be talking about the, uh, the, the new Ghostbusters movie that came out earlier this year. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be a good show, but uh, I sure do have a lot of thoughts about that movie, uh, good or bad or, or otherwise. I, I I watched it, and I have uh, a lot of things to say about it, surprisingly. Um, so I have that, and then I have a couple other movies uh, to do on the back end, but that's it. I didn't, I didn't watch too much this week. Okay, so uh, let's head into the feedback. We got a fair amount of it. And did I pull it up already? I did. All right. So up first, uh, Stephen left a comment on the website. And he says, Man, I'm with you on the election. I was going to comment on your previous podcast, but then the election happened and whatever I was planning on saying got blasted from my brain, probably forever. After that, all my usual pastimes seemed hollow and unfulfilling. In the wake of all the confusion, depression, futility, and lack of faith in humanity that I was feeling, I wanted to do something that felt constructive and optimistic with a sense of accomplishment. So in the end, I started playing Dwarf Fortress, a game that encompasses all of those emotions into one bizarre ASCII-based package. It might have worked, but it might have also driven me more insane, so it's probably a bit of a trade-off. Moving on, I have read Frankenstein, and it's definitely worth reading. It's not that long either, so I certainly recommend checking it out whenever you get the chance. I don't remember there being any major assistant character, so I think that was an addition to the story. Maybe that should come with the warning that's been about 15 years since I read it, so I could be misremembering uh, the story. Uh, But from what I'm aware, there really hasn't ever been a Frankenstein film that has made a real attempt at straight-up retelling the book. The original story takes place in the Arctic where the monster ran off to because no one else could survive there. Most of the story is told as a flashback of how everyone got there, and I've never heard of a film doing that part of the story, though I'm not all 
not at all familiar with its various film adaptations. And I think you've sold me on Lucy. You know I'm always down for some weird shit, and Morgan Freeman is always fun to watch and or listen to. So I'll check that out when I can and let you know what I think. And then, uh, a few days later, he came back and uh, continued uh, that he he had seen Lucy. And uh, he says about Lucy, Damn, that was one hell of a fun movie. I don't really think of it as an action film. I mean, sure, there were some fights and stuff, which are pretty cool. But it never seemed to be the primary concern of the film, and they were usually finished without a lot going on, as Lucy just ends things pretty simply. It was much more of a philosophical sci-fi film, and I had a blast with it. There was a voice in my head that kept telling me the movie was going too far, and you just can't do that kind of stuff. But fuck that guy. That guy's an asshole. (laughs) Uh, What's the point of fiction if not to go too far? Honestly, I felt that it went precisely far enough, and anything else would have been less entertaining. So, uh, obviously, there's a lot there, a lot to comment on. So I'm going to go back to the beginning, I guess. I don't know, should I should I work backwards? Yeah, fuck it, I'll work backwards. <laughs> uh, so, with Lucy, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you, you enjoyed it. Uh, it does go precisely far enough as you say and anything less would have been less entertaining i totally agree it's yeah it's i mean it's everything that it should have been and it they really go out with it and fucking just have fun with it and that's yeah i mean what is a movie if it's not uh you know supposed to have you know having fun with its premise and stuff if people get too fucking uptight with uh making shit serious and uh you know, realistic and stuff these days, especially. So yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I I urge uh, other people to uh, can, to uh, check out Lucy. It's a good movie. It's uh, very fun. And so then I'm um, working backwards. So Frankenstein. Now uh, I definitely am going to read Frankenstein at some point. It's one of those things that I've always wanted to read. Um, and yeah, I'll get to it eventually. Um, probably sooner rather than later, hopefully. And in terms of Frankenstein in the Arctic, I haven't seen Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the 90s movie with De Niro and and Kenneth Branagh. I haven't seen that since it came out, like 95 or whatever. So what's that, like 20 years? (laughs) But I'm pretty sure that that Frankenstein, that Robert De Niro's running around on the ice, if I remember right. Um, so, and and that one was supposed to be like, uh, well, Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula was, was billed as the the real adaptation of the book, which I don't, I mean, it not is, it's not entirely, you know, they make up shit for that movie too. Um, and then Mary Shelley's Frankenstein was supposed to follow the same logic that it was a, a, a realistic telling retelling of the book. Um, so that might be um, probably the closest adaptation, uh, if if my memory is correct, and and Frankenstein is run around on the ice. Uh, 
<laughs> which uh, sounds funny to me. Uh, I just imagined uh, fucking Frankenstein on ice, you know, skating around, <laughs> doing fucking jumps and shit, uh, figure skating. <laughs> But yeah, uh, in regards to the flashback stuff, uh, Curse of Frankenstein is told in flashback. The movie starts with him in a cell, like a jail cell, and he's telling his story to I think like a I don't I don't remember who it is, but so I, it might be a priest. Now that I think about it. Anyway. Uh, uh, no idea if that's factual to the book or not, but um, it, it, in any case, it does uh, replicate the, the, the flashback aspect. This is hard going backwards, because <laughs> I, I get lost. I mean, I guess frontwards I would get lost too, because then I have to reread what I read. But I feel like if I'm if I if I read it and then respond at the same time, I feel weird. I don't know, I'm still trying to feel out how exactly to do these. Um, and this one's long, so so it's kind of... It, it's fine that it's long, but it's just... Uh, it's presenting <laughs> mental issues for me. Uh, so, yeah, uh, with the election, I mean, fuck, dude. I, I, <laughs> I was so distraught for days. I mean, I still am, but, but uh, that initial feeling of just, just like... Oh my God, um, and just the the same. I had the same feeling of where everything that I was doing just felt so fucking empty, and I had no energy to do anything that I enjoyed doing. It was just so depressing. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> hopefully uh, the podcast helped a little bit. I don't know. I know it helped me a little bit. And uh, with Dwarf Fortress, I did. I I remember um, one of our uh, co-workers was playing that uh, back in the day, many years ago when we worked together. Um, and at that time, this was probably like I don't know, 2009 or something. I played Dwarf Fortress for like I don't know, maybe an hour, <laughs> and I couldn't fucking understand nothing. It was like. What the fuck am I doing? I don't know. I didn't get it. But uh, apparently, from story, the the stories passed down through time. Um, it was pretty in depth game, and and I think by now it's uh, probably grown considerably. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. But from what I know of the game, I think it may actually be more. Uh, of a, something to drive you insane than anything else. Uh, but yeah, I mean, whatever it takes to get through those first few days, it's, just, it's fucking, you know, it's kind of, uh, that's what you got to do. So thanks for the feedback. Hopefully you're feeling better uh, at this time. And then uh, let's go to Uncle Jasper. What did he say this time? He said, hey, just finished the podcast. I have to admit, it was a tough listen at the beginning, and I could tell that you just weren't feeling it. But I've got to hand it to you for even getting one out this week. 
I know personally I've been angry and raging so much that I've kind of been putting a lot of things on the back burner. So I really respect your decision to get another one out there on time. Stay positive, dude. A lot of ignorant motherfuckers with shaky moral footing and severe self-esteem issues are feeling justified in the wake of this and are feeling a little bolder this week because of it. But nothing has changed. What happened last week is just a sad reflection of what already existed out there. There is still a lot of, still a lot of decency out there too, and that's not suddenly going away overnight. Just keep doing what you do and don't stop. Least of all for these pathetic fucks out there that couldn't appreciate a good Shaw Brothers movie anyway. And to that I say, fuck yeah. <laughs> um, little tough listen at the beginning. Uh, sorry, I don't know exactly what you're referring to. Maybe uh, I had a little low energy or something. I don't know. Um, I admit I'm a little distressed. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know. My first instinct is to is to hear that and be like, well, what what ex- what 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 was tough about it? Like, <laughs> what was, which part? <laughs> but um, this is the new confident will that's not going to ask that question. Um, I'm just going to be like, yeah, it was a little tough at the beginning, you know. I, I agree. So, uh, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, the one thing that I have going for me is that I'm kind of uh, hard on myself and on whatever deadlines that I make for myself. So I'm pretty good at hitting that regardless of how I'm feeling. Uh, so, yeah, I, I was really... I, I thought it was important to, to uh, respect... The, the normalcy of, of my schedule and just try to get something out there. And uh, so I'm glad that it helped a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, like I said before, it helped me it helped me to sort of move on. You, you know, uh, the wheels keep on turning. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, Trump's an asshole. That's... You know that's common knowledge. I don't even think Trump supporters <laughs> would argue with that. But like day to day, for me personally, it doesn't affect my life. You know, like I could live in a bubble and not even know what's going on, and my day to day life would be exactly the same. Um, what bothers me specifically is that. There are people in this country now that their day-to-day life is being affected by these fucking assholes um, who feel emboldened by the, the the election results, and so that really bothers me. And so I I mean, there's not I don't know what there is for me to do. It's not the kind of thing that even you know, like all these fucking Republicans are saying, oh, you gotta fucking come together, you know. And it's like, okay, like I get. I get the idea that yeah we're divided and we need to come together and this is our president now like I get that but these are the same people that for fucking eight years have been bitching about how Obama's pushing his fucking Muslim Brotherhood agenda and 
you know, he's, he's fucking destroying the country on purpose and all this shit, all these fucking conspiracy theories, and he's fucking born in Kenya, and all this shit, and, like, the, the, the fucking champion of their movement, Trump, who, who, uh, just pushed and pushed this fucking Kenyan racist birther m- myth for years. Now he's the fucking president. Now, you know, their champion has been elected. Everything that they've ever thought has been validated, you know? And so now it's just like, now they're the calm ones who'd be like, oh, you know, you gotta come together and fucking unite with the rest of these, you know, the country, you know? Like, it's your duty, it's American. Like, oh, fuck you. You know, this guy is a fucking dickhead. He doesn't, you know, he's the president, but like, come on, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just fucking bullshitting now. Uh, and I'm a l- <laughs> running out of breath <laughs> getting all wound up all right so so is, is there anything else i need to say about that um i don't know yeah just <sighs> basically there's nothing that i can do and so i i i understand that and i understand that i need to we all need to stay positive and focus on our own uh, self-care and the own our own worlds you know are are usually not directly affected by the president and what the president does um, and so it's good to, to keep that in mind and focus on that and um, I don't know it's fucking hard though because as much as it doesn't affect me I really enjoyed having uh, Barack Obama as the president and I still do, and I enjoy the the feeling of it. You know, I mean, when Bush was president, I always kind of had this, like, lingering sort of fucking, like, feeling. And then every few days, some fucking story would come out, and it's like, oh, God, did you hear what Bush is doing now? Oh, my God, what a fucking idiot. And then Obama comes, and, you know, it's not, you know, he didn't do, like everything fucking great every fucking day but he's an amazing guy and it's just i feel proud to have him as a president and so now we got trump the fucking ultimate asshole of our country running things i i can't help but feel a little uh saddened and you know just there's just in general like i just feel this kind of base level sort of rumbling like (laughs) just knowing that that's uh, what's coming up and then with all these fucking uh appointments that he's doing all these racist assholes oh my god i don't know i mean i should probably disconnect i know during the during the election i disconnected for a long time and i was you know i'm not going to read this trump bullshit I, I gotta, you know, it was revving me up too much. So, I, I mean, I guess I have to kind of disconnect a little bit to sort of reset, but I don't know. I feel like uh, that's, I feel like if I, if I let, if I give in and I disconnect, I'm letting him win. I mean, it's all, it's all this internal struggle within me. It's not actually related to him. So, you know, it's important to remember that and that, 
you have control over yourself and what you're feeling and what you're thinking. Uh, when I was going to a counselor uh, last year, year before, I think it was last year. It might have been this earlier this year, actually. Anyway, I was going and, and uh, she taught me this thing where if you have these thoughts that you find yourself fixated on, and they're not good thoughts, they're, they're toxic to your thinking. You imagine a river, and then when the thought comes up, you put that thought, like in a little bubble, on the river, and then you watch it float down the river. <laughs> Bye-bye! <laughs> and I gotta say, it sounds fucking stupid, but it really really helps it's really it's like a good for me personally it, it helps a lot i mean i get to sit there i get to think about a river which i like and then i get to uh, put trump in a little bubble and watch him you know go wrong and then he goes down the fucking river and just go bye asshole and then adios <laughs> so anyway maybe try that um i know it's helped me um so yeah uh, uh that's the feedback if you want to send in uh, some stuff next week, uh, feel free. I enjoy it. And uh, there was some some cleanup business from last week that I wanted to get to. When I was talking about the movie The Strangeness, I had a couple of quotes here from the movie, a couple of lines that I forgot to say. And they're good. <laughs> I mean, they're good shitty. So I saved them. And uh, I want to relate them to you here. I really should start uh, recording them and then I can just play them. But whatever. I didn't do that. So the first one is when they're on the beach. I was talking about how they got the mic pointed at the fucking ocean. And anyway, <laughs> there's one part where this guy walks up to another person. I think it's a woman. I don't remember though. Anyway... This guy walks up and he's holding an apple. And he says to the other person, Want an apple? And then before there's any kind of response or anything, he just fucking bites into it. <laughs> and it's just, it's so fucking weird. Uh, so I thought that was funny. Then there's another one where I, I believe it's the same guy, but I could be wrong. I don't know. This is a long time ago now. It was like two weeks ago. And and he goes, how long you been a geologist? And then the other person goes, eh, 17 years. And then the first guy goes, that's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Captain Obvious here. And then uh, the, the best one is when they are about to go into the mine, the mine has a sign that says, like, fucking danger or some shit. <laughs> some shit like that. And this fucking, there's, like, a an ultra nerd dude who's, like, uh, trying to, yeah, I, something about him going to write a book about the, the experience or something. And he's all nerdy. And so they see the danger sign, and the nerd guy goes, voices from the past. <laughs> uh, 
anyway, I thought that was funny. Funny enough to uh, just <laughs> throw into this one. <laughs> okay, so the the main discussion here is going to be about Ghostbusters. The 2016 version directed by Paul Feig and starring Kristen Wiig, Ma- um, Megan McCarthy, is that her name? I don't even know these people because this is like the first movie I've ever watched with these people. Um, Melissa McCarthy, Kate McKinnon and Leslie Jones, uh, Chris Hemsworth, and who else is in it? Charles Dance is in it for a little bit. I'm a big fan of Charles Dance because of uh, he was the bad guy in The Golden Child, and I watched The Golden Child a shitload of times when I was a kid. So he's always uh, a, a welcome face. He's in uh, Game of Thrones a little bit, and uh, he he's here. He, he's not much in the Ghostbusters, but there's also a bunch of cameos from. Uh, not everybody that's in the original, but like Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, and Annie Potts, the uh, receptionist. What the fuck is her name? Janine? Is that what it is? Jesus, how do I forget that shit? It's, it's gotta be... Is that what it is? No. Huh. I think it's... I think that's what it is. That's fucking riveting, man. (laughs) Oh, fuck you. Just show me what the fuck it is. Come on, man. What the fuck? Oh, it's all TV. Oh. See, I separated these TV things and then for once it... Janine. I was right. Janine. Okay, good. I'm not fucking crazy. Well, I'm crazy, but... Anyway. Okay, so Ghostbusters 2016. So, uh, I guess I I usually do a little bit of backstory. Uh, Ghostbusters 1 is fucking amazing. If you, you know, if you grew up in the 80s and you're a kid, you watch Ghostbusters, it's fucking awesome. It continues to be awesome. It's it's one of the best movies ever. Uh, Ghostbusters 2 is also great i love it i had to kind of warm up to it because it's so different than the original they go in a different direction and so i didn't initially like it as much it's not as good of a movie but it's it's uh i i love it a lot now and so many years passed they were trying to make ghostbusters 3 for a long time and they couldn't do it and it got to the point where it was so, I mean, so many years passed, and they were trying to do the original cast, and, and I just was, was like, fuck it, I don't, <laughs> I don't even want a fucking new Ghostbusters, and then they, they were talking about making Ghostbusters go to hell with, uh, like, a CG animated movie, and I don't, I don't need to see that, you know, fuck that, and then there was that video game that they made, that they got all, they got the, the voice actors, the they got the original cast to do voice acting, and then I, I believe they were saying like, no, this is this is Ghostbusters three, this fucking video game. And I played that because you know, hey, it's Ghostbusters it's a game. Who doesn't want to play Ghostbusters the game? I remember playing that and enjoying it. Um, it's not the greatest game, but uh, it's fun. 
and it's fucking Ghostbusters. Um, so yeah, that's <laughs> that's my history with Ghostbusters. Um, it's probably not unlike uh, a good amount of people's history with Ghostbusters. I think that's kind of the the baseline Ghostbusters fan. You know, they like the original. They kind of like the second one. I know a lot of people don't like the second one, but they're wrong. The second one's fucking cool. Um, so now they they announce uh, Ghostbusters 2016, the remake or whatever, and you know I don't care. And then it's all girls, and then I cared a little bit, and that's. I mean, I I don't know. I'd probably watch it regardless, but just because I'm curious. But anyway, so I watched this movie. And I was under the impression that it was a remake of the original movie. And in terms of certain elements, it is a remake. They do reuse certain specific things from the original, such as, like, they're at... You know, they're like working at a college and trying to research this stuff. And then eventually they move out on their own. And then they start the Ghostbusters. You know, very, very broad level stuff. Um, but I would say like 95% of the movie, most of the movie, is actually um, like completely brand new. The characters are all brand new. Some of them are kind of based, like the the Kate McKinnon character. Um, she's she's like the builder, and she's kind of weird and kooky, and uh, she's kind of like the Egon. So you can see a direct correlation there. And then Leslie Jones is definitely supposed to be the the Ernie Hudson fill in, um, but the other the, uh, Melissa McCarthy and and uh, Kristen Wiig are not directly representative of the other uh, of Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray. Um, I don't think. But any, there, anyway. But even even within like even within having some callbacks to uh, Winston and and Egon with those characters, they're still very much their own characters, and they don't especially feel like uh, they're they're just uh, gender swaps of those characters so so initially so that was refreshing because I thought like oh it's just gonna be a gender swap fucking remake who gives a shit but it's actually not they 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 took the time to make these new characters and they put them within a totally new uh, plot. Um, the whole plot is different. There are, like I said, callbacks here and there, but primarily it's a totally new story. And so as somebody that respects, uh, creative energy and that kind of, you know, uh, you know, risk, the artistic risk of, well, we're going to remake Ghostbusters, but we're going to make a whole new story. That's cool. I'm down. I think that's great. That's kind of a ballsy move in that, you know, we've got like, uh, 
Episode 7, fucking whatever the fuck it's called, Force Awakens, the Star Wars movie. That movie tells us, before before they even uh, made the movie, they said, we're going to make Episode 7. Which, what does that say? That says it's a fucking sequel to all these other movies. You know, it's the next chapter in the story, right? And then you go see the movie... And it's kind of the next chapter, but it's also kind of like a shuffled-up remake of A New Hope. And it's it's not even, like, ashamed of that. It just, it just goes fucking pretty hard into that. There is a bit of a, a new story mixed in there, but primarily... Almost every plot point and character you can kind of tie back into somebody from the original uh, trilogy. Somebody or something, some element, usually will tie back to the original movies. And so there's not a lot of risk there. There's not a lot of uh, anything. I mean, like, all the ship designs are exactly the same, even though Return of the Jedi has all these... You know, like, in each one of the original trilogies, there's new ships added in, in episode, whatever, the Empire Strikes Back, they have uh, the snow speeders added, and then in, uh, and the TIE Bomber, I think, is added in that, that one, too. And then, like, uh, Return of the Jedi, they add TIE Interceptors and the B-Wings, and then we go to episode 7... And it's just straight up regular TIE Fighters and X-Wings, just like the original. I don't even think... Did they have Y-Wings in in Episode 7? Because Y-Wings were in the first one, too. Anyway, my point is, is that it's a regression. It didn't actually sequelize Return of the Jedi. It kind of does, but in, like, the lamest, fucking, most artistically bankrupt fucking stupid way possible um whereas ghostbusters it's not it was sold as a gender swapped remake and so when i saw that it it kind of isn't a remake i mean it uses elements in a similar way to that the star wars movie does whereas like the the star wars movie has a trench run at the end and the ghostbusters movie has a big fucking monster like uh trash in the city basically like stay puffed marshmallow man um but it's not stay puffed it's not supposed to be safe it's a totally different thing um and it's fucking stupid and and <laughs> that shit i hate and but for most of the movie they don't even like wrap in nostalgia hooks or anything you know, it's just it's just trying to forge its own path, which I find very um, noble, and and I like that a lot. I'm I was very impressed by that. Then in the second half, it gets real sort of like it 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 tries a lot more to sort of play off of Ghostbusters, the original. It kind of loses that original edge, and then goes a little harder into the the lame stuff, and then, I don't know, I didn't like it as much then. So, <clears throat> I'm dancing around it, but 
I, I did like this movie. I don't think that it's great. I don't even think that it's very good. I, I, I wouldn't recommend it <laughs> to most people. Um, but I did have fun watching it. And for the most part, I wasn't even like... I, I didn't get angry that... Like, like the Star Wars movie made me mad. Because <laughs> it was just like, oh, that's how you... Like, why would you do that? Yeah, yeah. I just I was so frustrated that that the the creativity was so stifled in that movie. And, and I mean fuck I'm going into Star Wars a lot but um I looked at the art book. I was so like I got it I mean I've mentioned it before but my fucking brain just broke when I saw that Star Wars movie. I didn't know how to fucking feel and comprehend it. And so I was trying to like work through that and one of the things that i used to work through that was i looked i checked out the the art book of episode seven from the library and i was looking through the art book and it's a really interesting book uh to to look at in terms of how the the screen version of uh force awakens came to be because it's got very very early concept drawings from before there was even a story or a script or anything they didn't have anything and it says in the in the book like this is like the first day we knew we fucking bought star wars and we were tasked with coming up with uh new ideas for worlds and all kinds of shit and it's really fucking imaginative they go fucking all out it's brand new shit. It's really cool. It's like, wow, you know, this is some out there stuff. This would have been a brand new experience for Star Wars. And then as the book goes along, because it's basically chronological, as the book goes along, you see them sort of further refine those new elements and then just basically fall all the way back to the old elements where... And, and there's even parts in that in that book where they're like, yeah, this was my original design, and then this is the final design because J.J. Abrams said we should make it more like this thing from the original. <laughs> so you can kind of see how um, it it the concept designers that the designers wanted to design new things for this movie. They were very um artistically inclined and they wanted to you know forge their own path and they wanted to put their stamp on the new star wars and the corporate elements and the the people in charge basically stifled that because they wanted to as they say make a movie for the fans which means make a really safe movie with the shit that we already know they like and then you know kind of design certain things uh to be reminiscent so you know anyway that being said um i don't i <laughs> i don't remember where the fuck i was um but but anyway my point is that episode seven star wars whatever is basically nostalgia porn it's just really hitting it hard trying to make you remember all the shit that you liked when you were a kid but it, it offers really nothing concrete and and engaging and fucking inspiring like the originals do i mean 
do you remember the first time you saw Yoda? Holy fuck. I, my brain just fucking exploded. Like, who the fuck is this dude? You know, and he's like, and he's like digging around in that fucking crate looking for those. He's like, doesn't he like grab a little sausage or something and eat that shit? Uh, man, I fucking love that. And it's so amazing. And it's like a little puppet and he's fucking crawling at the, it, you know, to this day, I'm still amazed by that shit. And, you know, there's nothing in that, that the new Star Wars that's going to inspire that level of, of wonder in, in kids nowadays. I don't think. Maybe it does. I don't know. I'm not a kid. Um, but, but anyway, the, the, the Ghostbusters movie does, for me personally, it didn't feel like that at all. And I was, so I, you know, I like that. Um, and it, there's a lot of new thought uh, the, within the Ghostbusters world that uh, seemed, that helped me like it a lot more. Now, did I like that new thought? Did I think that those new ideas were good ideas? Eh, not necessarily. I, I, I can't say that I was on board for all of them, but I was definitely on board for the idea behind let's not just do the same old shit. So I, I enjoy that. I don't know that it could stand on its own. I... I I mean, I already like Ghostbusters. I know the concept. I like the concept. So I'm already kind of on board, even though I didn't. I'm not on board with the new movie. Um, so I don't know what it would play like to people who've never seen the original. I mean, I I, I assume that if you like modern movies and you went in to see this movie, you would probably like it. But and then I but I don't know. I mean, for me personally, I feel like if you're really hardcore about the old one, you're going to be somewhat disappointed with this one because it's not a great movie. I mean, it's it's nowhere near as good as either of the original films. But um, it, it's a very different feeling movie. And even, even a very different feeling movie from most modern movies that I've seen and the reason for that is because of the the four main females and that is what I really like about this movie um having four women lead a, a major blockbuster sort of big sort of action movie it's not really an action movie but they have some like action cg scenes towards the end that i are fucking stupid <laughs> i didn't like them but that's that's uh i don't know there's certain there's things about them that i wouldn't like just because they're the way modern films are made but um i also don't like them because it, like they don't there's no respect for the the tools <laughs> like for me the proton packs are you know they're they're fucking nuclear devices strapped to their backs and you don't fucking cross the streams 
and they don't cross the streams in this movie. Like they don't they don't bring it up, they don't do it, they don't bother with with any of that. But the way that they shoot sometimes is like it's so uh <laughs> like they're not they don't have, they don't they're not thinking about it you know i don't know how to describe it anyway but it looks good the the, the proton packs look good um but but anyway going back to the thing um for having these four women at the center of it gives it a completely different energy than any other big budget blockbuster summer movie that I think I've ever seen. Uh, there's no like the the male led movies, which is basically everything else. All like <laughs> they all kind of have the same fucking macho energy, whether that's like the guy with the like a really shallow love story tacked on where he gets the girl at the end and like he's out for revenge because somebody killed his wife or i don't know i i don't know what the fuck the the circumstances are but like uh they all have a very similar energy you know like civil war i just watched and Batman versus Superman, I just watched. The two movies are very different, and and Civil War is 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 uh, you know got comedy, and the other one doesn't. But they still have they share this fucking like machismo energy that is very similar, and as do pretty much every other fucking superhero movie I've seen and every other big action movie I've seen. You know, like, they all kind of have this this seriousness to the, the manliness. I don't, I don't know exactly how to describe this, but, like, the, the, the movies are in part based on, like, wish fulfillment for males. Like, you want to see as a guy like a dude getting the girl and kicking ass and being fucking badass and it's fun it's enjoyable you can kind of like identify with the guy and be like yeah this motherfucker's doing it right <laughs> um but having women at the center of this movie ghostbusters it feels completely different and it was so unique and i loved it I really loved it. I I loved that energy. It was different. They they the girls had different uh motives and they had different ideas about things and the way they approached scenes was was different than the guy would have. And I just I loved it. I loved that energy and I and I I don't know that this movie did well enough to get a sequel, but I would love to see other big action movies fronted by females like this. I really, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, never mind the fact that the, that I didn't particularly think the movie was good. I just really liked that element a lot. Now, <laughs> going into some things that I didn't like. I mean, I might have good things still too, but 
the fucking and this is another thing for like that could be said about all modern movies or or 99% of modern movies the fucking score is just so blah <laughs> like you could literally take a, most of the score of this movie and drop it into any other fucking action movie and it would it would fucking work it would be it, it would there would be no no one would even notice it'd be the same shit and people would just be like oh you know like movies now have no no iconic score moments you know you got the fucking like the batman theme from batman 89 you know you know you fucking uh it's a dope score you know you got the fucking superman theme you know it's fucking dope you remember it i you know it gets into your fucking head amazing amazing scores you know even even shit like like uh predator you know fucking dope it's dope i love it and ghostbusters score i don't fucking know what the fuck it was the original though the original has some amazing original iconic music that still to this day is so fucking within the culture that they opened the goddamn remake movie with the same song because what else are you gonna do you can't top that shit that shit is iconic so so like they use that that music at the very beginning a little bit they don't use the whole song or anything and in that moment it's kind of just a a nostalgia hook it it doesn't really serve a purpose you know it's just there to be there because they own it and they can use it but like uh beyond the 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 theme song the ray parker jr theme song of ghostbusters the original score has a bunch of really great tracks you know like like songs that fucking piano song I'm gonna tell everybody and finish anything. No, 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 no. <laughs> Whatever the fuck that song, I can't remember what it's called right now. <laughs> but uh, cleaning up the town. <laughs> that fucking song, cleaning up the town. Oh my god, what a jam! What a fucking jam that is. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> there's so, so many moments like that and like the moment when when the fucking ghosts get released from the trap and and they show the the all the spirits and shit coming out of the 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 top of that skyscraper you know and it's that fucking like i don't i, I don't know that i could <laughs> do it it's that pulsing fucking pop song boom whatever the fuck it sounds like and that shit's coming out and it's all like dreamy oh my god this is shit that i saw when i was a little kid that struck me then and it continues to strike me now it's it's fucking amazing it's perfect 
marriage of music and image to create fucking beautiful art. It's 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 everything that you could want in a movie. And so, <laughs> the new Ghostbusters doesn't do any of that. It's shitty. There's there's some very uh, classically modern <laughs> fucking uh, like parts where they try to insert like licensed pop songs because you know that's easier than having an actual score or an actual like soundtrack with songs uh, that aren't big pop songs. So they do that, and I don't remember specifically the like what songs or whatever. But anyway, there's there's shit in there that's just very like uh, eye rolling, and <laughs> so that brings me to just and this is again another thing that can be said about modern movies in general is that Ghostbusters 2016 is corporate as fuck. <laughs> like oh my god. You know, there's a lot of movies that seem like you watch this fucking modern movie and it's just like, wow, this wasn't made by a director and a little team. This was made by committee. People got together, focus tested this shit. You know, people got together, took a bunch of money from all these other companies, and now, like, we're serving all these goddamn interests in making this movie. And, like, product placement in this movie is horrendous like i don't know that there's a lot of it but but what there is is so fucking in your face like <laughs> there's there's a, a shot where the kate mckinnon is just eating pringles and it's real like just like it doesn't it didn't have to be pringles it could have been anything she could have been eating fucking nuts or whatever but it's pringles and it's very obvious and it's fucking dumb there's like an ad on the subway for blue apron <laughs> a better way to cook this fucking like and that's in the background so that's not too bad but and you i had to look for that one i mean i i saw the ad and i said oh what's that ad and then there's like there's parts where they're talking about a bunch of fucking uh, Patrick Swayze movies, which doesn't do anything <laughs> for anybody. I mean, it's it's the kind of thing where it's like, uh, I it's like I guess it's a Tarantino kind of si uh, syndrome where people think it's funny to like reference other movies or. Or talk about other movies. I don't know. I don't really like it. It takes me out of the movie. I feel like a movie should just be a movie. And maybe if something naturally comes up. Where people are talking about movies. But I don't know. They were just talking about Ghost. And the fucking pottery wheel. And it just. It felt stupid to me. And I'm sure. Like I didn't look it up. But <laughs> I would imagine. That the company that made. Ghostbusters, uh, Sony, and whatever other production companies, they probably own those Swayze movies. And so when people watch Ghostbusters and they go, oh, wow, yeah, Ghost, I forgot about Ghost. I'm going to have to check that out. Then they you know, rent it on iTunes or whatever. And then the same company is making money twice. 
you know, I mean, that's what I always think. I don't know that that's true, but I noticed that a lot of Disney movies, like like uh, like Civil War, for example, in the fight, um, Spider-Man makes a joke about Empire Strikes Back, and Disney owns both Marvel and Star Wars now, so they can make that joke because they own it. They don't have to pay licensing fees. I mean, maybe they do. I don't know, but the same parent company open, owns both, so theoretically they wouldn't be paying themselves, would they? I don't know. But stuff like that really bothers me because it's just like obvious fucking cross promotion. Um, and it's not it's not genuine. But the fucking worst thing in this Ghostbusters movie is they're interviewing Chris Hemsworth for the receptionist job. And he like, I don't, I don't something about him like trying to. They, they ask him to whip up a logo or something. And so they're showing these logos that he made. And like he's, it's like a PowerPoint on his laptop or something. And he shows one logo and it's some fucking stupid shit. And then he flips to the next one. And it's just a fucking 7-Eleven logo. <laughs> it's just a... That's it. Just a fucking 7-Eleven logo. <laughs> and they're like... Oh, uh, and he goes, oh, uh, uh, and then they just flip past it and they don't say anything. And it's just fucking uh, subliminal. <laughs> Go to 7-Eleven. It's just the worst. And what this made me think of is a, a wonderful movie that I love that kind of ushered in this era of, of blatant, shameless fucking uh, product placement, uh, an 80s movie called Mac and Me. Now, I, I, when I saw Mac and Me as a kid, I didn't like it. I thought it was a ripoff of E.T., which it is. But uh, I rewatched it a few years ago for, uh, for the site. I reviewed it, and I fucking loved it. It's a great movie. It's fun as shit. The product placement is funny. It's so fucking blatant and like wrapped into the plot with the you know the aliens are like dependent on coke to survive it's incredible it's super fun i mean i recommend it you know just just uh turn off the brain and fucking watch mac and me it's it's a great <laughs> it's a great time but what it made what this ghostbuster movie made me think of and i've been thinking this for a while is that like like uh product product placement is so prevalent in movies nowadays it's just ridiculous, and and it always kind of makes me think of Mac and me, and just think like, wow, you know, everybody derided Mac and me back in the day, but now movies, you know, it's a, it's a part of movies that everybody accepts and knows is gonna be there now, you know, like people are gonna use a computer, it's probably gonna be an Apple computer, and and things, you know, this kind of stuff is is woven its way into the fabric of movies now and there's kids who grew up in this time who don't know movies any other way there's just fucking random advertisements for products in the middle of their movies and so what it made me think of uh is that i think they could remake mac and me these days and i don't want them to because i like my mac and me <laughs> straight up 80s but they could totally remake Mac and Me with the same amount of product placement or even more. And I think that it would be uh, 
it might be not liked because it's a shitty movie, but I don't think that the product placement would be the deal breaker that it was when the original movie came out. So at the end of Mac and Me, they tease a sequel. I don't remember what they say, but a little they're driving off onto the freeway. They say something about like Mac and his family will return or something like that. And so I think it's time that Mac and his family fucking return to try out this theory of mine. <laughs> I'll watch it. I don't give a shit. I mean, I'd prefer them not to be CG Max, but imagine <laughs> imagine the fucking ridiculous surprised look that CG could <laughs> give these characters, you know, because they always have this fucking... <laughs> It's the fucking circle mouth of uh, surprise because they have to suck on the straws to drink the Coke. <laughs> oh, man, I love Mac and me. God damn. <laughs> All right, so what else? Oh, what's <laughs> another thing about the movie that's that's unique and not in a good way in this case is that it follows its own plot, which I've kind of... Uh, talked about but there's also a villain and now unlike the original the original where the the ghostbusters are ghostbusting they're taking calls there's a montage they're becoming you know stars around the city they're cleaning up the town um the new ghostbusters they don't really take calls or jobs they kind of uh just one thing leads to another, and they find themselves here, and they find themselves there, and then they kind of, you know, it kind of all rolls up into this case that they're involved in. But it's not, it's not revolving around uh, a job. Like in the original, they have the job where they're trying to help Dana, and she's got the shit in her fridge. She, you know, she, the guy's saying Zool in the fridge, and. You know, and then you got the key master and the gatekeeper and the fucking dogs and all this, you know, all these dope shit. All these dope shits. <laughs> all this dope shit is happening. Uh, but the, the, the new one doesn't have any of that. It's a villain and he's basically uh, a terrorist. <clears throat> I can't talk, man. He's basically a terrorist that's uh terrorizing the city and and basically trying to uh rip a hole between ghost world and uh regular world to to to, simp to simplify it and so it, it has a totally different feel i don't i didn't particularly like it i don't think that ghostbusters should have like this uh human antagonist that's like, uh, I don't know. I just, I didn't particularly like it. It didn't feel Ghostbusters enough to me. Um, and it's like, uh, it speaks to how 80s movies and modern movies go about things differently. Like, 80s movies are known to be very fun and they're the kind of movies that you don't necessarily look at seriously or, you know, you're not trying to break them down logically. They exist. They're fun. Just fucking go along with it. And, you know, I mean, 80s movies are fantastic. I'm sure 80s movies would, would fall down in logic if you really, you know, stood them up to some kind of test. 
I'm not interested in doing those tests because I love 80s movies just the way they are. Now, modern movies are very much not that. They are very much trying to be realistic and not be campy. And, and, and I mean, not that 80s movies were trying to be campy. They, I think, because I don't really think of 80s movies as campy. Um, I don't even like the word campy or, or applying it to movies because I... I just, I don't know. It, it's, it seems too derogative to me, and, and I like movies in all in all of their forms, low-budget or otherwise. But, um, so, like, the original movie, the, the threat is supernatural. Zool is trying to break through th- via Dana and, uh, Keymaster Rick Moranis. What's his name? Lewis or something? I think it's Lewis. Um, and but but it's 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 supernatural based. It's it's not coming from the real world. It's just sort of this thing that's happening, and that's allowed to be the case, right? There's 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 no need for us as an audience to have that explained to us it's just something that's happening and we buy into it but the new movie has this human guy acting as kind of a terrorist who is scientifically uh creating devices that will rip the hole between the worlds and so it's it's very symbolic of modern movies versus 80s movies where 80s movies are kind of uh you know they're 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 mystical they don't explain everything they there's still wonder in the world you know like like Like, they don't try to explain the supernatural world. It's this thing that exists, and there's Tobin's spirit guide that, you know, has a lot of information. But you still don't get an idea, like, as a viewer, exactly what the fuck is going on. You know, you you might think that, like, well, Egon, Egon, he knows his shit, and he could probably explain it to us. But we as viewers don't know, whereas in the new one, they are, are, like, jam in a bunch of mumbo jumbo like <laughs> at you constantly and to try to explain how this shit is happening and it's just like yeah but who gives a shit i don't it's fucking fake it's fucking ghosts getting ripped through a portal in the world why why do you gotta explain that shit who gives a shit <laughs> like uh like what am i gonna do with that knowledge you know I don't know. So again, you know, fuck modern movies. Uh, but but I think if they didn't ex- explain it, they'd have a lot of people bitching that like, whoa, this fucking doesn't make any sense. This is fucking stupid. You know, whatever. Anyway, I mean, with this movie specifically, everybody was bitching anyway, <laughs> even before it came out. So so you know, I, I <laughs> they can't win either way. Um. And I also wanted to say that 
uh, again, <laughs> this can also be applied to old movies versus modern movies. Um, the effects work in the original film was very advanced for the time. There was a lot of it. They incorporated many different methods. You know, there's stop motion and there's puppets and there's fucking green screen and all kinds of shit. Um, you know, a whole range of, of things. And, but, but, but no matter how sophisticated the, the effects were, there were still limitations on them. So, uh, they couldn't just do anything that they wanted like they could now. So in order to design the effects, uh, special effects are generally designed, uh, makeup effects and, and any kind of prop sort of, uh, you know, animatronic thing or whatever is usually designed to be shot from a specific angle so that the illusion works. And if you shoot it from a different angle, it doesn't work or if it's not lit well or whatever. So, so all the effects for Ghostbusters were created with that specifically in mind. The idea of we got to sell this illusion and we've got to work hard to make this look like a fucking ghost and not a puppet and etc etc so a lot of thought went into that to create something unique uh and so a lot of those images from ghostbusters are very iconic beautiful things that stick with you because they were designed specifically to look a certain way exactly on camera and then they pulled it off and then they are these amazing images that we all remember from this movie now modern movies don't have that restriction they have cg they can basically do anything that they can dream up and so while there is time spent on effects, and I know that, you know, they, they spend a lot of time designing and do all this stuff. It might even be more time. I don't know. But but all I know is that there's way more effects in a new movie than there is in an old movie because of the, the lack of limitations. And I feel that the design process is a lot more streamlined and quicker because the just in general, designs in modern movies are not as striking as old movies, to me personally. And I feel like these effects shots are not designed to be these these shots that, wow, in one shot or two shots or three shots, just like very sp specifically, like this shot has to sell this whole fucking thing. Whereas now it's like, well, we created this thing in 3D and then we can go all around it and do all this shit. And it doesn't really have to sell anything. So the effects work to get down to it of Ghostbusters is all well and good. It's not shitty, but it kind of looks shitty in parts. Like, I don't like the ghosts. The ghosts look kind of weird. And the, the colors specifically. Now, it's been established on the Silver Emulsion podcast that Will likes colors. You know, it's it's a known fact. Uh, and I do like colors. And I continue to like colors. But the colors in the Ghostbusters 
remake are so fucking exaggerated and bright. I mean, it's like it's like everything has got a goddamn neon light on it. You know, the ghosts are just this brilliant fucking abnormally bright blue and the the fucking proton pack streams are really bright fucking big stick color. You know, whatever the fuck color that is. Um, you know, it's 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 uh, and every color in the movie is like that, just really blasted out. There's a lot of green, there's a lot of red, there's a lot of blue. You know, it's just it's all like blasted out, heightened. You know, and it's all digital grading. I'm sure. I mean, it's not like they shot it like that. And I don't like it. It's just it's too much. Um, that being said, it does give it a very distinct look, and it's a much bolder design choice than the fucking (laughs) washed out bullshit and so i get the idea of like trying to be anti washed out bullshit fucking dystopian batman versus superman no color shit um but i don't know i didn't think that it it popped in the in quite the right way for me personally but i'm picky so i don't know maybe I'm sure other people wouldn't have such a big problem with it. Uh, but that goes into another thing, is that this movie, very uniquely, I don't know that another movie has has ever specifically done anything quite like this, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, this movie is shot in a 235 to 1 ratio, aspect ratio, a traditional widescreen ratio, but... Many shots um, in, in any kind of big special effects moment, the fucking image like breaks out of the widescreen. Um, and I'm sure it looked cool when it was like in 3D or something. Because like when they shoot a proton pack, instead of being cut off by the frame, it just goes all the way out. And I'm sure, like, on an IMAX screen, IMAX 3D or something, I'm sure that's what it was designed for. Um, I'm sure it looked fucking great. Uh, as as a home viewer, uh, it was very distracting, and I didn't particularly care for it. And then at the end, when it gets uh, right to the finale, climax, whatever, they go full-on IMAX ratio, which is 178 to 1, I think. Um, but anyway, just like a full screen on a widescreen TV. Uh, so it plays around with the ratios and and it does that. So, I mean, I'm sure it looks good on the big screen, but for me, eh, I don't know, but I respect it as, I mean, at least they're trying to do something different. It's not just fucking the same old bullshit. Um... The other thing, and this is again probably related to uh, modern movies versus '80s movies, is that in in the original, it's a comedy and it's a light movie. It's not a dark movie, but there is an element of darkness. There's a menace to this to to Ghostbusters, the original Ghostbusters, in parts that really makes that movie great to me. I mean, everything about that movie makes it great, but 
with with that that menace specifically, like the dogs chasing Rick Moranis and cornering him uh, at the windows of that fucking restaurant, and he's he's looking in at all the rich people and he's all disheveled and he's like, well, let me in, and it's so fucking sad. And then that dog just comes up and that dog is scary as fuck, you know. I mean, and he just slides down and gets fucking mutilated or whatever. I mean, that's hardcore. That is a menace, you know? There's, what else is there? I mean, the ghosts, like the librarian ghosts at the beginning, when she fucking, like, yells at them and that big gnarly face comes out, I mean, that's, it's, I don't think of it as necessarily scary, but it's, it's not, like, uh this sort of charming thing that like a kid would look at and just laugh at it's a scary kind of a thing you know i mean it's a it's a a monster you know it's it's and it's not a friendly monster you know this isn't my pet monster <laughs> this is a fucking monster you know that you if you encountered it in real life if this fucking thing came out at you you know you'd be scared i'm not scared because it's a movie but you know, in real life, that's some scary fucking shit. <laughs> you know, really. Um, and so, and also in the in the original movie, again because of the time it was shot, there's a reality just to the circumstances of being shot in a real place on film. Um, the and just. I don't know, there's a reality to old movies that the new movies, even though they're trying to be more realistic, they can't get because there's too much CG or they've, they're they like defying the laws of physics or whatever. But like the the shit with the, where, where, where Winston and uh, Dan Aykroyd are driving in the car and they're talking about like a god and all these philosophical questions about the end of the world and and what's going to happen um like that kind of shit i mean as a kid i didn't really get that but i got the like the feeling behind that i got the fact that they were scared i got the fact that they were trying to process this this upcoming event you know they're like they they they're having a hard time wrapping their brains around it and and so i remember feeling as a kid like no i didn't get what the fuck they were saying but i i i just i understood the emotions behind it um just kind of intuitively and there's none of that at all in the in in, in the remake I, I hesitate to call it a remake because it's not really a remake, but in the new movie, there's none of that depth or um, just kind of menace or anything like that. It's it's just straight up fucking light comedy action ish stuff. And there's a couple of jokes that are surprisingly like risque. I mean, it's PG-13, I think. But 
I was surprised, honestly, at some of this stuff. Like, whoa. <laughs> and I, I mean, I'm not one that gets, like, offended or anything, but I was just surprised. And, and I imagine that certain people of certain persuasions, like uh, uh, overly protective parents or something, uh, might <laughs> take a, a objection to these jokes in this uh, <laughs> Hollywood fucking movie. But anyway, just there's the there's a missing reality to modern movies that just really bothers me, and uh, so Ghostbusters is no different. So in the end, I've talked a lot about a lot of different varying factors of Ghostbusters, and um, I want to stress that I liked this movie. I really did. I was. I was all set up to just hate it and and have a similar feeling to like Star Wars where where uh they were just you know riffing on the original uh poorly uh but I got to say I had a good time watching this movie it's very watchable it's it's long ish like it's it's a little bit over 2 hours um which was surprising to me uh but I got to say it it flew by. I enjoyed watching it. I, I was not bored at all. Um, I mean, and in part, it's because I liked all of the main characters. I didn't particularly like Chris Hemsworth. Um, he was all right, but he's just so stupid. And I didn't like. I didn't think the movie was particularly funny. There was a couple times where I laughed pretty big, and I don't remember what those were. But like, the main girls, I really liked. I like all of them. Um, Kristen Wiig I was aware of. I've seen her in a couple of things, like SNL things and on TV and interviews and stuff. I uh, She was on the uh, Mark Maron podcast not too long ago, and I listened to that. She seems like a really great person. Um, so I I was very uh, on board with watching her. She, you know, I, 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 I liked her a lot. And Melissa McCarthy, I had never seen anything before, and I... I found her to be uh, very enjoyable to watch as well. I've seen some Leslie Jones stand-up, and I like her already, so she was fun. And Kate McKinnon, again, I'd, I'd seen her play Hillary Clinton on uh, SNL a couple of times, and that's pretty much all I knew about her. And she was also very charming and uh, very engaging, and I liked her character as well. So, so just seeing these four women inhabit these four very distinct roles and have their own energy being represented uh, in a way that traditional sort of male-led movies does not generally allow women to have. Um, I really liked that. So as a, as a, uh, a forward-moving social <laughs> commentary, uh, the movie is great. As an actual movie, it's not very good, but I did enjoy it. Um, so yeah, I mean, if if you're totally not on board with the Ghostbusters, any kind of new Ghostbusters, I wouldn't watch it. But for me personally, it uh, it fares a lot better than the new Star Wars because uh, it it strikes out on its own. It has it, it it dares to risk being artistically different than the original, and it uh it's just it it doesn't specifically lean on all of the nostalgia stuff 
so yeah, that's the fucking Ghostbusters 2016. And I'll be back with uh, the next segment uh, after this. Is it good or a piece of shit? I don't know which is it. Alright, so, um, is it good or is it a piece of shit? We got, uh, only two movies here, so it should be relatively quick. Um, but after I say that, then I'll probably go, it'll probably be like 40 minutes or something. <laughs> Alright, so the first movie up is a 1982 horror movie, uh, called Trick or Treats. Not to be confused with... Uh, there's another 80s horror movie called Trick or Treat, and then there's some other movie called Trick or Treat, I think. I never <laughs> can remember which one is which. Um, and then I didn't even know that this one existed until I, well, <laughs> that's kind of stupid. I didn't know it existed until I found out about it. <laughs> Alright, well, what the fuck is that all about? Uh, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, Trick or Treats, and it's about Halloween, as you might guess, with the uh, the title, and it's uh, it starts with a little scene where a husband and wife are like having breakfast or something, and then the wife has... Uh, a couple of guys from an asylum, an insane asylum, come and take away her husband. And her husband seems very normal, and he seems, you know, he doesn't know what the fuck is going on, but she wants to get rid of him, and so off he goes. I don't, you know, again, to go with the 80s stuff of not explaining stuff, this guy is committed to the asylum for what? We don't know, and it doesn't really matter. We don't, they don't take the time to explain it, and they don't need to. So he goes to the asylum, and then it goes, you know, many years later, or whatever the fuck. Um, <clears throat> and then we get into the, the real movie, the real kernel of the movie, is that now the wife, who had her husband committed, is now remarried, and uh, the wife is played by Carrie Snodgrass, the relatively famous uh, 70s actress. And she's in it. It's like a cameo thing. And then her her new husband is played by David Carradine, who only is basically in a scene or two. Um, but he makes his presence known, as he is uh, wont to do. Um, so they're going to go off to a Halloween party. So they call over a babysitter to take care of their kid. And the kid is like... I don't know. I'm a, not a good judge of kids' ages, but he's probably like nine or ten, maybe something like that. Uh, and and he's like a, he wants to be a magician, so he has all these fucking tricks around the house. He has like a fake guillotine in his room that he can put his head in and look like it gets chopped off. He has uh, I don't know, like fake fucking fingers and shit. <laughs> and, and so then. As soon as the babysitter comes over to take care of him, the rest of the movie, almost the entire rest of the movie, is 
just this little kid playing tricks on the babysitter. It's just a series of that. And there's there's the 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 ongoing kind of threat of the guy from the asylum breaking out and coming home to kill his wife. Um, and so that's kind of they keep cutting back to that. And there's a couple of scenes here or there, but that uh, but that's only a few minutes of the whole runtime. And the rest of the movie is just <laughs> this kid playing tricks. So it gets kind of boring because, you know, I mean, how many fucking tricks can you watch of this kid? But I got to I got to say, though, even even knowing that they were that he was playing tricks, there's a few times where I think like, oh, man, he's not fucking fooling around this time. And then he was. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's funny because, uh, you know, he. It plays a trick on you. And the kid is not a great actor, but he has kind of a asshole face. You know, and he's kind of good at playing this, like, little dick kid. So, uh, it's fairly enjoyable. And apparently, uh, I read that uh, Orson Welles, who, who was a magic kind of connoisseur, he was interested in magic, uh... He was actually a fucking magic consultant on the movie uh, to help the illusions and stuff be as best as they could be. Um, but what's what's kind of weird about the movie is that it's a real subtle, like offbeat horror comedy. It's not it's not super obvious at the outset. That, that it's trying to be funny and then there's just these scenes that come up that you're like am I supposed to take this seriously because this is really fucking like over the top like when they show the guy in the insane asylum it's like the most fucking cliched fucking ridiculous insane people <laughs> just <laughs> I can't think of an example, but they're just so fucking, like, ridiculously insane. And so you start to get this sort of subtle, uh, I mean, I guess that's not subtle, but but <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's just weird. I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be a horror comedy, and then it never fully goes, like, full comedy. Um, it's just always this kind of offbeat sense of humor. Um, so I kind of enjoyed that. And uh, it's not a great movie at all. <laughs> it's not even a very satisfying movie. Like, it's not much of a horror movie. Uh, but I liked it. Uh, I wouldn't recommend, like, uh, hunting it down or anything specifically, unless you're, like, really into uh, seeing every fucking slasher movie. Not that I would call this a slasher movie, but there's some elements of that. It's kind of a parody of, of horror movies. Like, the comedy... Like, I guess because it's, it's serious, but it also has this edge of subtle comedy, so it's kind of a satire of horror movies, but satire implies that there's some kind of 
wit to it or, or some kind of intelligence behind it that's making some statement or something and this movie does not do that so i don't want to say that it's satirical really um but anyway trick-or-treats i good or shit man i don't know it's kind of in the middle but i said that i would not say that so i'll say it's good And then the other movie that I watched, all surprising to me, I didn't I didn't know this when I uh, popped it in, but I watched the Chuck Norris movie Lone Wolf McQuaid, and David Carradine is the bad guy in that movie. And uh, one of my big action movie '80s sort of blind spots is Chuck Norris. I only watched a couple when I was young, and I've only watched maybe one or two more since I was an adult. So all of those movies, almost all of, all of his movies are like this unknown blind spot sort of thing that I want to check out over time. I watched Delta Force, not, I don't know, probably last year or, or uh, beginning of this year or something like that. And I'm pretty sure I had seen that one when I was a kid. Because there was a lot of familiar elements, but, but seeing it as an adult was completely different because, like, Robert Forrester, the guy that's in Jackie Brown and, and uh, a bunch of other genre movies, he's the bad guy in it. He plays, like, this fucking Arab dude. <laughs> so it was really enjoyable. And so uh, I've had Lone Wolf McQuaid kind of on the back burner uh, since then but I'm slow so I just barely watched it now and it was an interesting uh, piece of work uh, Chuck Norris plays a Texas Ranger and I don't know if he played any other Texas Rangers before this or after this other than the TV show Walker Texas Ranger but uh, if nothing else I think the the combo of Texas Ranger things uh, makes me think that he uh Regards Lone Wolf McQuaid as, as one of his favorites. I don't know. I'm just uh, drawing at straws. Um, but it, I don't know. It seems plausible. Anyway, uh, Lone Wolf McQuaid is from 1983. And it's directed by a guy named Steve Carver. What else did he direct? He also directed uh, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, some uh, black exploitation movies. The Arena. Isn't that a Pam Greer movie? Yeah, it is. He made that movie. He made Big Bad Mama. Who's in that? Angie Dickinson. Tom Skerritt. William Shatner. Hey, look at that. It's a total like 70s drive-in movie. Uh, Chuck Norris movie, Eye for an Eye. Um, oh, he made that shitty River of Death movie that I watched. Ugh. <laughs> that movie sucked. <laughs> Anyway, well, fucking Lone Wolf McQuaid was pretty good. Um, so what do I want to say about it? Uh, when it started out, now see, I don't, I generally don't uh, watch trailers or look into movies or read plot descriptions or anything. So going into Lone Wolf McQuaid, the only thing that I knew was that Chuck Norris was in it and that it was called Lone Wolf McQuaid, <laughs> right? So the movie starts and it has very, 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 spaghetti western styled music and it's just showing all this fucking desert 
and it's very western looking and it's uh it's you know it fools you you think like okay this is gonna be a western like a straight up western with chuck norris and then as the scene goes on you slowly start to see the modern elements creep in there's a truck there's you know some guns or whatever and then it slowly becomes more and more of a chuck norris movie (laughs) where it's like okay now there's fucking uzis (laughs) and so you know i love westerns but a fucking western with uzis (laughs) sign me up man so uh (laughs) so this movie was pretty enjoyable it's not a great movie it's uh it's it's hard to really argue <laughs> for why anybody should watch it unless you like this kind of uh just dumb fucking action movie and i find chuck norris movies specifically to be really fucking dumb <laughs> like um like almost every time i watch a chuck norris movie i think that the movie is something of a vanity project to like uh prop up chuck norris's ego <laughs> and because like the way that the movies are constructed they're just uh like i guess it's probably it's maybe it's not too different from like an arnold or a stallone movie but where i i think i buy arnold and stallone as being these ultra males that can do all this shit like i don't inherently buy that chuck norris is that <laughs> type of guy like he's not uh i don't know he just doesn't move in the right way or whatever the fuck it is but there's some quality about it that just doesn't make me completely buy in and so i feel like like uh they're just trying to make like he's just trying to make himself feel better about himself like he's compensating for something um (laughs) but regardless of that the movie has just got a bunch of dumb, fucking fun, ultra trash, shitty action <laughs> with fucking Uzis and cars going off of cliffs and explosions and all kinds of shit. It's fun, man. And and there's an element of a buddy cop movie. Like, it starts as a western, then it kind of ditches that and goes into a modern uh, sort of western-themed thing. Um, but then they then they they start to go down this buddy cop route by by he's a lone wolf McQuaid he doesn't work with a partner you know the classic shit and then they give him a partner uh, for some reason that I don't remember and then uh, so you think like okay now he's gonna run around with this guy and they're gonna you know slowly develop the bond but he doesn't really go around with that guy that guy he comes up but now and then but. But and I mean, and there's probably a few scenes where they're they're doing stuff together, but it never feels like Lone Wolf McQuaid is like Buddy Cop McQuaid. <laughs> so you know, it's just like a, don't expect a Buddy Cop movie, don't expect a western. It's kind of all of those things plus stupid, dumb, <laughs> fucking Chuck Norris action. I enjoyed it. Uh, David Carradine and Chuck Norris fight at the end. Uh, it's not great. <laughs> uh, partially because it's uh, shot 
American style, so it's just all editing. And I have the feeling that Chuck Norris and David Carradine could put on a pretty good fight, but this ain't it. <laughs> I mean, it's good enough. You know, it's good enough to get by. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, Chuck Norris clearly proved himself in Way of the Dragon with Bruce Lee. He, you know, he, he can be a very uh, fearsome competitor. He can look good. You know, he can perform the martial arts very well, and, and he can be an impressive screen force. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the fight with Carradine just doesn't do any kind of justice to that, that uh, Chuck Norris. But anyway, I would call it good because I like uh, trashy action movies. And uh, so that's going to be it. That's the show. Uh, coming up on Silver Emulsion this week, I have a review of Arcade, the Full Moon movie, directed by Albert Pune, uh, coming up on Tuesday. And then uh, Steven's got a review of a... Now, I've never tried to say this name out loud. <laughs> so let's uh, see what happens. Mamoru Oshii? Uh, <laughs> Mamoru? Mamoru. Mamoru Oshii. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if I said that right. I don't know. With the two eyes at the end, I always think that there has to be... The extra eye has to be its own syllable, and I'm not sure if that's correct or not, but like... Oshii, you know, I don't know, is that right? I think it's right. Mamoru Oshii, and uh, this is, he's the guy that, that uh, directed uh, Ghost in the Shell, the, the anime, and he's made a whole bunch of other stuff. He's a big figure in, in the anime world, but he's also made a bunch of live action movies as well, and uh, Steven's got a review of Assault Girls, which is one of his live action movies, uh, so that's coming up, and then to close out uh, the week, I have a review of the Shaw Brothers movie, The Tea House, starring Chen Quintai and directed by Kui Chi Hung. And so that's uh, that's going to close out the week on the site. And then if you have any feedback, make sure to send it in uh, before I do the next show so I can include it in uh, the next show. Uh, it's going to be episode 10, fucking booyah! <laughs> It's going to be the same shit as episode 1 through 9, but it's going to feel like some kind of a milestone. <laughs> anyway, uh, send in some feedback if you have any thoughts about anything that I talked about this week or previous weeks or whatever. And uh, so that's the show. Have a good week, and uh, adios!